Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Wrench. Today's guest is one that I'm really excited to have on, Tim Cefeli, the Marketing Director at Bolt-On Technology. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing great. Um, I'm in my man cave, um, <laughs> or my, my den of geek here. So, but uh, no, I'm doing great, great, Jay. And thank you very much for, uh, for inviting me to uh, speak on behalf of Bolt-On to your, uh, to your, to your audience today. Yeah, love it. Love it. I love what you guys are doing. Why, why don't we start by kind of having you give us a little background on yourself um, and, and a little background on Bolton and, and just kind of uh, we'll, we'll dive in from there. Sure, sure. So I'm the marketing director of Bolton Technology, as you said. Um, and uh, for those of you who may not be aware of who or what Bolton is and does, uh, we are a um, major software provider for the automotive uh, repair space. Specifically, we create um, tools and applications that uh, uh, independent um, multi-shop, dealer, collision, all types of repair businesses uh, can use to um, add efficiencies to their operations, to communicate with uh, their drivers, with their customers, um, specifically in the form of digital inspections and all the tools and, and accoutrements that go along with that, um, really creating um, a, a digital atmosphere for a shop, a digital environment for a shop that you know coincidentally happens to be ideal for the situation we're all you know working through, living through with you know the, the lockdown and contactless. You know, shops can use our digital technology to um, communicate and share, repair and inspections and photos and notes and videos with their drivers. The drivers can respond quickly, can ask questions, can communicate, can approve the work gets done. They can even pay using digital technology. So what we've, what we've done is we've taken um, digital software and used it to uh, enhance and grow and expand that um, repair shop customer experience. Um, we've been around uh, for more than 10 years, we've serviced over 10,000 repair shops, everything from the small mom and pop local garage that's been there for 50 years to large franchise multi-location brands. And, uh, you know, we've, we've uh, just to give you a sense of sort of the scope of this thing, not just Bolton, but, you know, the idea of digital inspections, digital tools, we've recently announced about a month or so ago that uh, our uh, the 50 millionth repair photo was shared between a shop wow. and a customer and a driver. Actually, we're around 52 million now. You know, that's how quickly. That's you know, insane. Go. Yeah. I mean, it's not a fad. It's not a gimmick. Digital inspections, digital technology, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it was a, it was a new thing. And, and, you know, people thought it was gimmicky. It isn't. It is the standard. It is the norm now. Shops that don't do this are the ones that are going to sort of stand out as opposed to, you know, when the shops that did it were the ones that stood out. So yeah. this is, it. I mean, you know, it may sound corny, but it's like, this isn't the future. This is, this is now. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it's, it is funny because it's something that we talked about for a long time 
and then ultimately, uh, you know, here it is. It, it's uh, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So how about you? How did you get into this space in the first place? How did you get uh, associated with Bolton and and what was your background prior to, to getting in this? Oh, I fibbed my way through the interview. No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I have a background in um, um, marketing, PR, advertising. Um, prior to joining Bolton, I actually had my own um, brand agency for about uh, 15 years. And uh, we, we serviced customers in all different industries. Automotive was one of them. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, but the one thing that, that I um, missed by being on the agency side, on the consulting side, was that I was always an outsider. I was always sort of like that, that expert or that consultant who was sort of coming in, putting a plan together, putting, it, putting a campaign together, um, but never really like in on the ground floor to be able to like, you know, truly understand like what the motivations were, what the goals were. Many times we wouldn't even be, the results wouldn't even be shared with us. It was almost like the companies were the marketing directors who I worked with were more about getting a program launched than the results of the program. Right. And I really wanted to be in a situation where I could be involved with an organization from the beginning of like, what are their goals? What are we trying to accomplish? What are the problems we need to fix? What are the goals we're trying to achieve? To the idea, to the execution, to the measurement, to the results. And I was very, very lucky. And uh, in Mike Rissich, uh, the founder of Bolton and his team reached out to me and, and gave me that opportunity to come in and and uh, really try to create that for Bolton. We, we are, um, we're all in-house. Uh, in other words, like, you know, we have a, it's not just like a marketing guy. Right. We have a whole team that focuses on this. And I was uh, essentially, you know, asked to create an agency, an ad agency within Bolton wow. to support our clients are basically Bolton and all of its products. Our audience is all of Bolton's customers. Right. So we brought a lot of those sort of different disciplines and expertise that you would normally get from an outside consultant or agency and brought them all in house. And, uh, you know, it involves everything from branding to PR to, you know, advertising. But really what it comes down to is, you know, not what we want to say to the customers, to the, to the industry, but it's like what the industry needs to hear. Yeah. What are they looking for? And it's like understanding that. And, you know, the Bolton team, it's, it's innovative, uh, not just in terms of software, but in terms of how the company runs what it does, its operations, and, you know, creating like this in-house ad agency, for instance, is, a, is an example of, you know, Mike and the leadership team's innovation, you know, it'd be real easy to just go hire somebody on the outside and say, all right, well, just, you know, run a few ads every now and then. Right. Not, that's not going to cut it anymore. No, it's, it's, I, and, and I will say, uh, back in the day when we could go to trade shows, right, uh, <laughs> you, you always had. Back in the olden days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You always I was had, a kid. I used to go to four trade shows a month. And, <laughs> yeah. I'd have to walk uphill both ways. Yeah. Well, you guys had, you always had a really well-represented booth. Everything looked, I mean, I, I give you guys a lot of kudos for what you did because you can tell that that kind of ad agency approach really works, right? And and you you really drew, you drew a lot of eyes when you went into, say, Vision in Kansas City. You go and you have a really nice setup and everything looks really nice. So. Well, I appreciate that. But I mean, but we had to, I mean, it, it, early on, I said that, you know, 10 years ago, things like digital vehicle inspections, they were, they were new. The, um, you know, some people even question whether or not they were, you know, they had lasting power, you know, um, 
And, uh, you know, but today it, it is the norm, but that also means that there's more and more companies that are trying to get into this space. And, sure. and they're all, I mean, it's very easy for everyone to look and sound alike. And if I'm a shop owner or a general manager at a shop, right. And I'm getting hit with all these different messages that kind of look and sound alike. How am I going to know yeah. what's the right one for me? Who's the best partner or what's the best, you know, uh, version. So it's, 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 that's what I meant by it's, it, you know, the messaging, this is for any company, not just yeah. Bolton, but this, yeah. it, you need to, you need to put yourself in the shoes of the audience. Like, what do they want to know? What are they, what are their concerns? What are the things that keep those shop owners up at night? What are the goals they're trying to achieve? What are the problems they're trying to solve? And then you can, you know, bring them the message about Bolton and what we do in a way that answers those questions, as opposed to us just like, you know, blurting out like, you know, all of our talking points. That's a website. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, you know, that's a brochure. That's not it's boring. A, it's boring. Yeah. 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 It's very one-sided, yeah. you know? I, I agree. And that's, I, I think brings us to a, a, a good point where one of the things that you and I talked about um, early on when, when you and I really started our relationship was the survey that you guys had put out with, with P10. So Bolton Technology and P10 worked together on a survey to talk about kind of that next, that next level of ownership or what they see for trends within, uh, within the industry. One, I think it was cool because it shows, you know, more initiative over and above just the technology side in general, right? I think you're showing that, hey, you, you really do care about, you know, what's going on in the industry. And the results, I don't think were shocking, but I think there was some stuff that really sticks out from the standpoint of, there's some consolidation going on. There's, there's, you know, you could always see the consolidation kind of moving that direction, both from the independent side, from the, and yeah. also from the dealer side, right? And so, when when I saw the survey, you know, it really piqued my interest in terms of the trends that you're seeing and and why it's important to kind of have, you know, we, we actually just re- released a podcast with a um, with a CPA. Uh, he runs a company uh, that's kind of a CFO for people. I listened to that. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah, And and he talked about how, you know, how important it is to have your kind of your ducks in a row. And one of those things is everything that you're talking about in the survey. And so I guess maybe to start with what really kind of drove you to want to understand that a little bit more. That's a great question. So yes, we are a software developer, right? We're, we're a tech company. But we quickly learned when uh, we started to work with these. And again, we've been around for more than 10 years. So this isn't a new thing we've just happened upon. But we quickly learned at the time that it wasn't enough just to throw software out there and you know, expect people to use it or use it the right way. You know, if anything, we found that um, you know, shops owners often would use a very small percentage of the software. Um, they would find one or two things that like, really worked and, and they would focus on that. But they were leaving all these other great tools and, and, and solutions, you know, um, on the table. So we uh, found ourselves in a situation where we, we started to advise or comment to shops, talk to shops about best practices, how you could get the software to support your goals, mm. you know, and to fix your problems, everything from scheduling to repeat business to um, efficiencies to um, the, the, um, up even upselling, you know, yeah, 
using it, you know, figuring out ways that, you know, to upsell new wiper blades on rainy days, you know, it's an easy upsell that, you know, it's all margin, but you know, how many shops actually do that as a regular thing, you know, it, it's, we found ourselves in the situation where we were beginning to advise and train and, and coach. Now we're not a coaching company, but we've got very much involved in the coaching sort of, you know, conversations um, in terms of how our software could help them with their operations. So, you know, the, the logical evolution of that was that we need to be aware and cognizant of the issues, the trends, the concerns that the industry is faced with. I've said a number of times already, it's not what we want to say, it's what the audience needs to hear. It's mm -hmm. what, what's important to them, right? And how we can help them. Um, so as a result of that, we've gotten very much involved in things like thought leadership and expert opinions and articles. We do partner with a number of coaching companies um, and, uh, you know, rely on them for their, sort of their training expertise. And we sort of help support them with the software. But, um, as part of that due diligence and, and understanding the needs of the industry, we, we will very often run surveys and, and polls, um, not just with our customers, but with the entire industry. And in the situation you've mentioned, the case you've mentioned, we partner with P10 magazine, whom I'm sure most of your readers are familiar with. Yep. Um, and we, we, we drafted, um, a uh, survey that asked them about their future plans and goals, you know, specifically when it related to, and when I say they, I mean the readers. So there was like 30 some thousand um, subscribers of P10 magazine, shop owners, general managers, that sort of thing, who were all asked a series of questions about um, their plans for retirement and, you know, how, you know, much they feel like they're working um, to grow their business or is, or are they just sort of, are they working a job or are they running a business? Trying to right? check the boxes to retirement, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it's like, are they going to have, how are they going to retire? Not just when, but how are they going to retire? Do they want to sell? Do they want to close the shop? Uh, you know, they basically own the property and they're going to become a landlord, right? Are they going to give it to one of their kids? You know, all those questions. Um, and the results were, were, like you said, not not shocking. Um, I, some I, of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll yeah. talk about that, right? You know, um, but but um, it, I think, um, well, why don't we just tell people? The, the main takeaway of that was that, um, according to this survey, we found that 54% of the shop owners who responded plan on retiring within the next 10 years. So imagine That's you've crazy. got... You know, let's say you've got 10 shops, 10 repair shops in a town, right? Five and a half of those are going to be gone within 10 years, right? Everybody's talking about the tech shortage. Nobody's talking about the owner shortage, Yeah. right? Uh, now, put yourself in the, in the, so what does that mean? That means that, you know, uh, the, it's going to be a seller's market, meaning if, you know, um, if, if, uh, or pardon me, it's going to be a buyer's market, yeah. rather. It's going to be a buyer's market, which means that, you know, if there's somebody out there looking to buy a repair business, right, um, you need to make sure that yours is the most attractive purchase op, uh, or acquisition option, because if it isn't, if it isn't efficient, if it is, if it's a dirty shop, if it's a sloppy shop, if you've got no real, you know, sense of your customer base, if your customer base is going to leave as soon as you leave, right? That's, that's not an attractive purchase option <laughs> yeah. for somebody, you know, that, and guess what? You're, you're not the only game in town. There's like, you know, in that scenario, there's like four other shops 
right down the street who are also looking to sell and they may have a much better um uh you know package for them. it's like it's like you know staging a house yeah. you know you put your house for sale in the neighborhood and there's two or three other houses there and they're all selling for different prices but you know, then it's you go inside. Yeah. 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 Then you go inside and you see that, you know, well, this house is staged nicely. This house isn't, this one was clean. This one, you know, the furniture is too big and the house looks too small. And, you know, and it, there, there's a, there's an art form to that. Right. And it's, it's, it's not like it was, you know, maybe when some of these, these guys, when they bought the shop where, you know, they basically, you know, handed a bag of money with a dollar sign over to the owner and they like ran off into the sunset <laughs> and they just put their name on the side. Not like that anymore. I mean, yeah. if anything, many um, purchase situations are going to be a leveraged buyout. It's, it's, you know, in other words, the owner um, is not going to get their money all at once. They may get paid over two or three or five years and they're, they're being paid based on the profits of the business, which means that the new owner needs to have a profitable company in order to be able to pay you off. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, so, um, by the way, this is all pre-COVID. Yeah, um, so, you know, what does that mean? It, how much did, did, did the situation change because of COVID? I would argue that, and we're going to do a follow-up uh, survey, uh, you know, uh, as a result to see if things have changed. But I would argue that you're going to see some people were forced to retire sooner. In other words, they shut down and just never opened. Yeah. Or they, you know, or their retirement plans were put on hold. They can't retire now because the revenue is down. Their shop got messy. They're, they lost their customer. Like it is no longer the 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 same product, if you will, that it that it was before COVID. And they've got to build it back up, right? Yeah. Um, now that's on the retirement side. That's on the shops that are you know the the guys that are going off into the sunset. What about people who you know aren't in a position to retire? This may be a situation where they can grow. Absolutely. You be, yeah, you could be the guy that goes out and acquires two or three of these shops, these people that are looking to retire, right? And, you know, you, you want to be a multi-shop owner, right? You know, well, here's a way to do it because there's going to be a lot of shop opportunities out there. Now, what does this have to do with, um, with Bolton, right? right? What does this have to do with a software company? What we argue is that there are things that all shops need to do, whether you're retiring or, or not, you know, these are just general best practices, things that you need to do in order to generate the most revenue out of your business. So, you know, um, and you know, you want to work, I mean, it's, it's a cliche, but I mean, you want to be able to work smarter, not harder. You want to, you know, work less hours and make more money, right? You don't want to have a shop that is solely dependent on whether or not you're there. You want to be able to go, you know, take a week off or go on vacation or take your kids to tour college campuses you know, and not worry that things are going to fall apart if you're not there. If you build a business that is solely reliant on you being there every single day, that is not a sustainable business. And that's a job. That's a job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you built a job, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it may, and that may be fine for you. You know, you pay your bills, you're able to send your kids a car, but like, you know, if that business can't exist when you're not there, then it's, you're right. It's not a business. It's a job. So there are, there are things that, um, there are tools, software tools that bolt on specifically has created that allow shops to be able to add efficiencies, improve relationships with customers, increase their repair orders, um, increase the number of return visits, right? Um, increase referrals, 
get paid faster with things like text to pay. Uh, you know, these tools exist. I mean, in many cases, you know, they, they uh, uh, particularly in, in with bolt-on technology, these tools also integrate with your management system. Mm. So your POS, your accounting, your inventory, your work, your your your, your uh, workflow, your time clock. A lot of this is all is all integrated. But if you you know, in, and then there's we have versions of the product um, that don't rely on a management system. You know, they they work off of the cloud. They're not anchored to something. So my point is, no matter what kind of shop you run you have the opportunity, you have the ability to tap into many of these digital tools to create this situation for yourself. And yeah. that means that you can suddenly turn your business into a much more attractive um, opportunity for a potential buyer. Or if you're looking to buy, these are the things that you should be looking for in order to determine, I want to buy this one versus that one. Or you may be asking for, you know, X amount of dollars, but here's data that tells me that you're really worth this, right? So, you know, you, then you can, you can also negotiate and get a better deal. So, like I said, for either the owner or the, the that's selling or the person that's looking to buy, it's going to be a, a boondoggle uh, in the next 10 years. Yeah. And I would, I would argue that that's probably been accelerated by at least two years because of the lockdown. You know, people want to get out faster than, you know. But, I agree, but you know, you, you need you, you can't just say I'm for sale and I think I should make that uh, you should give me this much money. You got to be able to back it up, and you know, having an efficient, having a profitable, having a documented business model, right, where you can show this information to a potential buyer is going to help you get the money you think you are you 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 deserve. Yeah, and it's structure, right? And I, I think that's. You know, I, the structure piece for me is sometimes what I struggle with the most in our, in our own business, right? And that's, you know, I've got a great business partner who that's his strength. And, and we know that like he, he's so much better at it than I am. And so it, it's nice to have that kind of yeah. yin to the yang. Right. Yeah. But I, I, you know, there were a couple things in, as I'm looking through the survey that really, you know, stuck out to me is that even at the core of the technology, one of the things you're trying to help improve is communication with customers and, and how vital that is to building trust for the long haul. Talk to me a little bit about maybe one, why, you know, it, it's, it's funny, we, we put technology as kind of the, the whole, but at the core of it, that communication side is so important and how you communicate with a new demographic and how you, you know, like a, a, there's just, there's so much to unpack there on the communication side. Can, can you walk me through that piece a little bit? Sure. Sure. And, and, and again, I mean, it, it, it people can get hung up or fixated on the technology. The technology is just a tool. Yes. The, the, and in this case, it's a tool to help shop better communicate with customers. And what we mean by better communicate is to build trust, build relationships, um, uh, create credibility that, in, you know, frankly, isn't there uh, in many, in many situations. Part, it's partially to blame on um, the fact that uh, nowadays, the, the, most people don't know anything about their vehicle, right? They know where the key goes and where the gas goes, and that's about it, right? And whatever so, YouTube tells them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. if they even bother to do that, you know, and <laughs> Um, 
you know, so when they walk into a repair shop, they're, you know, their defenses are up for the most part, you know, either they don't understand and they're intimidated or, you know, they, they have a negative point of view where they think they're going to be taken for a ride, you know, no pun intended. Um, and that, and, and that may, you know, and, and let's be honest, there are some bad players out there, some bad sure. actors out there who have done things that have, you know, hurt the uh, uh, impression of the industry. But that means that shops are, you know, not only challenged with trying to, you know, build relationships and break down those barriers and build trust and, and transparency with these customers because of their own operations. But they're also now having to deal with like, you know, the, the bad vibes that were created by, you know, everyone else in the industry. So what are we really talking about? I mean, that's sort of like in the, that's a broad description. What we're talking about is imagine, well, not imagine, you guys do this all the time, right? Customer drops a vehicle off at the shop, right? They then go to the, they go to work or they go, they go, they go, uh, you know, back home while you're working on it. Right. You then call them up, you know, to, you know, a few hours later to, you know, run down all the items that you've discovered that need to be fixed, all your recommendations, right? You call them up. They're in the office. They may be in a meeting. They may be on another call. They don't pick up the phone right away. They may not recognize your phone number. So it goes right to voicemail. Right. Meanwhile, you're waiting and waiting and waiting for them to listen to the message and then call you back. Right. While you're waiting, that vehicle is either sitting in the bay, up on the lift, you know, hoping the person will call back and, you know, give you approval to move forward. Or you put the wheels back on, drop the lift, put it back out in the garage and move another car in. Oh, and guess what? That, that, that's exactly when they call back, right? Um, <laughs> every time. <laughs> every time, right? You know, and then when you do speak to them on the phone, um, not everybody, you know, has got a great, you know, sort of phone presence, I guess, you know, where... You know, especially when you're busy and you're trying to run through as many of these as possible. So oftentimes, again, put yourself in the shoes of the driver. You're you're hearing, you know, the 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 uh, service advisor, you know, rattle off, you know, well, it needs this, it needs this, it needs this, it needs this, it needs this. You know, it's going to be about eight hundred dollars. You're like, what? I just brought my car in for an inspection. What do you mean I need eight hundred dollars? Right? Um, they don't understand. They don't know what you're talking about. You know, um, many times they 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 don't want to even admit that. Right. Um, and you know, the, the person on the phone, the person who called them is just trying to get through this call. Cause they got 12 others like that they got to get to in the next 10 minutes. Right. So it's not a great communication. And more often than not, it doesn't end well where the driver will more often, you know, is more likely to say, well, you know what, just do this and this, but don't do anything else. Well, you know, that's, that's stuff that needs to be done. Yeah. Right. Or if they can't do it today, at least schedule an appointment to come back and get it done later. But none of that really happens because of the way we've sort of like the way we communicate with each other. Now, imagine, you know, like in the olden days, right, where, you know, you were able to bring the drive. The driver didn't leave. They stayed in the shop. Right. Your tech looks at the vehicle, identifies these various things that need to be worked on or, you know, you need to bring attention to you then bring the, the customer into the bay under the car and you look, you point it out and describe it to them. You show them and you answer questions while you're doing it. Even if they don't necessarily understand all the technical mumbo jumbo, they still feel a lot more comfortable and, and have a greater appreciation that like, I'm not being scammed here. I, 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 okay. I can see the difference between, you know, a brake pad that should have this much width versus a brake, my brake pads that have this much width. Right. You know, they can understand that. And um, they're more likely to, to approve the work or at the very least agree to come back for a follow-up visit. You can't do that when you're talking to them on the phone, right. especially when 
you know, you leave a voicemail. I think we've, we've, the last stats I saw was that, you know, the average time to return a voicemail is three hours versus the average time to respond to a text message is three minutes. Right. That's so imagine crazy. now, yeah, yeah, imagine. So our technology, our communications technology, imagine if the customer who we just talked about, you know, we changed the situation. They drop their vehicle off and you tell them, okay, sir, ma'am, right. You know, let me have your cell phone number. We're going to send you a copy of your digital inspection as soon as it's done. And you'll be able to see all the different, you know, images and notes, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Now they're expecting, um, something from you imminently when they get it they're going to be able to respond to it sooner whether they're in a meeting or you know doing something else in the office right they can look at it while they're you know doing other things right they have the information in right in front of them instantly they can see what you're recommending and why they can if they want call back right and have a conversation with you or right there in the inspection they can go ahead and approve this approve that not this not that right boom now your tech is able to start working on the job Right. Right. And you're not waiting. Um, the, that also means that not only is that vehicle going to be ready when you said it was going to be ready and you can't blame the customer because you didn't call me back. And right. But you're able to get more vehicles through the shop. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when the work is finished, an invoice can be sent to the customer. Right. Not only are they, were they able to approve it, they can even pay via their cell phone with text to pay technology. Right. Um, they don't even have to come into the, that way. Now they can come and pick the car up at any time. Cause they've already paid for it. The work's been done. They've already paid for it. You don't have to have somebody like waiting until like six, seven, eight o'clock at night for the vehicle to be picked up. They're not stuck having to come back the next day to get the car. Right. You could have a situation where there's like a, you know, a, a, a drop box where they can get their key. And I mean, there's it's a just lot a, it's a, it, there. Yeah. It's a lot less stressful when you don't have a line of customers waiting at the service desk. Right. And like, that's, that's um, one thing that I've seen as a kind of something where in a, a, a big improvement in shops over, you know, the last five years, I'd say has been, you know, trying to control that a little bit because when it gets overwhelming and there's a line of people out the door and it's, it's, you're trying to take care of everybody, uh, you know, the more, like you said, you can paint visuals ahead of time. I think a key takeaway for anybody listening to this is the more you, you can, you can paint very really supply visuals for something you're going to have an easier time talking about it just because it's, you know, it's there, you know, that, that muffler is broken. Like there's nothing yeah. like, or, you know, you like you, you, that. yeah, it's rusting right. through, see it, you know? Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's amazing. Now I do want to, to circle back to the survey just a little bit here, because as I'm, as I'm browsing it again, one of the things that, you know, just the other findings, right. That the other things that you guys found in this survey were obviously that technician shortage is a big thing. Um, and I, there was a stat that talked about how more than 51% uh, of shop owners say they plan to hire one or more employees over the next year. Now, again, I think it'll be interesting when you guys do the post-COVID survey, uh, hopefully post-COVID, <laughs> current COVID survey, whatever right. it is, but to see how that happens. But how that's how we see it through our business is that's very, very true. I mean, it still feels like every shop is hiring and, and not, you know, not worried about that drop in business that maybe they were in uh, May of 2020. 
you know, I, I think that stat is still really strong. Yeah, it, it, I mean, the fact that, I mean, and you guys, you know, at Finder Ranch certainly know this much better than we do. Um, but, you know, our, our sense is that, you know, even though the shops plan on hiring, you know, new technicians, new employees, the, where are they going to get them from? You right. know, I mean, there's, there's, we all know that it's a shortage, right? And yep. um, and even if you look at the number of, of people that are in the, the you know, auto repair trade schools and tech schools, right, there's not enough that are currently in school to fill the need that is out there. So it's not like a current thing. And, and again, we're rehashing stuff that people will know. Um, and an organization like yours, which is, you know, I think essential to the fact of connecting shops with technicians, now, while there may be more available because of layoffs and, and shutdowns, and we certainly understand that, that I, we believe that's a temporary thing because as soon as things pick back up, those yeah. people find jobs, and then there's still shops that are looking to fill those positions. The, some of the stuff, what I, what I spoke earlier about us getting into sort of best practices and, and some sort of operational advice, when it comes to uh, the tech shortage, a few things that we... Uh, identified that you know you you and i would love to hear your opinion about it as well because right. this, this again this is your space um but um it's it's not always a black and white i'm going to hire somebody leaves i'm going to hire somebody to replace them right you know there's plenty of retired technicians out there who maybe aren't willing or able to work a full-time job but they're bored out of their minds right <laughs> yeah. and Maybe you could have them come on and just be a specialist and only do diagnostics or only maybe they could train or maybe they could, you know, um, they're really good at this one task and you have them work on just that one task and you're able to sort of fill needs there. You know, other, other things that, you know, we see is the, the, the loss of that sort of institutional legacy knowledge when like the, somebody leaves and they're replaced. Um, we see that with simple things like even with like, you know, software tools, you know, there's, Joe in the shop really knew how to use it. Well, Joe's gone and nobody else knows how to, well, why didn't you bother to like teach everybody else? Right. You know, before Joe left, how come you, you know, um, we see it all the time too. I mean, you're spot on there, Tim. That, that is, it blows my mind how many people will say, you know, okay, we're, we, somebody told us six months ago that they're retiring (laughs) and then like, they're looking for a tech, like, a week before they're week before they left. Yeah. 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 You're like, yeah. no, that's the wrong approach. <laughs> Don't do that. It's, it's the head in the sand approach. It's yeah. if I ignore it, it's not a problem until it's a problem. Well, you know what? It, it's, it you, becomes you, a bigger it, problem. It is. You've made it immensely like more difficult for yourself because you weren't proactive. Well, we talk uh, about maintenance all the time, right? Like as an industry, yeah. we talk about, you know, these customers must maintain their car. Otherwise they're going to have all these problems and you know, all that stuff. But this is kind of the part of maintaining your business yeah. that we just don't do. Well, what's the, well, because it's the boring part. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's a lot of people that love working on cars, working on vehicles, and they don't, they're not really excited about the business of the business, but, um, but that's what keeps you in business. You know, yeah. um, there's an old adage, I'm probably going to screw it up, but it's like, you know, the shoemaker's kids go barefoot. You know what I mean? It's like, you're really good at the thing you do for other people. But when it comes to yourself, you're, you're horrible at it. <laughs> now you don't do the same thing for yourself that you do for everybody else right as a son of a mechanic that that uh, i grew up in a shop i know the shoemaker's son uh 
never had a nice car to drive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> but now, Jay, I mean, you're absolutely right, though. It, it's, you know, and again, I think that goes back to the comment you made earlier, which is like they've built, many people have built a, a good job for themselves, but not a business. And right. one way we talk about it is are you working on your business or are you working in your business? Yeah. Right. You know, you, you it's so know, huge. Yeah, it is. And, and especially like, you kill yourself day in, day out, you know, blood, sweat, tears, you know, you, you, you deal with like tough employees and tough customers. Many times you miss out on a lot of family time, you know, over the years, right. All for what, right. You, you eventually want to be in a situation where like the business is sort of running itself and you don't got to kill yourself every day in order to now start to reap the benefits. You want to be able to take that vacation. You want to yeah. be able to to you know like i said you know go on the college tour with your with your kids right you want to be able to take advantage of that time but if you if you haven't if you don't run your shop in a way and you don't use tools in a way and i don't mean mechanical tools i mean like right. business tools in a way that's going to allow you that flexibility allow you that freedom right then why are you doing it what have you done what have you built right and yeah. how do you get out right who's going to buy that you know, because if, if it's reliant solely on you, right, um, they're not buying you. They're buying your business. But if your business goes away when you go away, well, then, you know, guess what? You're not going to get the money you thought you were you, you were owed. No, I think there's a lot of people in that situation right now, too. And that's where, you know, I do encourage them to use tools like Bolton or use a coaching company. You know, I, I referred my dad to like kind of similar thing where he was just trapped in the business. Right. And yeah. we didn't take a lot of vacations growing up and it's, you're, you're trying to, we honestly, I think we took one vacation <laughs> my entire time growing up, but yeah. it was because you're so focused on getting that business, um, you know, growing. And, and it wasn't until probably five years ago or so where he got connected with a coach, uh, a coaching organization where, you know, now he's able to step away from the business and not have to be there every day. And Good. he's much happier as a result. You know, I remember talking to him back then. He's like, if somebody came and they wanted the keys to this damn place. I'd give it to him now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, let's step back a second. You yeah, put yeah. way too much work into this just to walk away. Like you need to do it the right way. So um, maybe as we're talking here, one of the things that's fascinating to me is utilization of software, right? And when I say that, you brought it up earlier in the podcast about, you know, really identifying the struggles of a shop and then notifying them of tools that are available to help them out. One of the struggles that I had when I was in industry was just that, like I would use 10% of the yeah. available tools. And it was because you got into a routine, you got into a habit of this is how I open a work order. This is how I, you know, that like you're so focused on that, that you miss out on so many other opportunities mm -hmm. to make your life easier. Do you guys see that? And like, are you, I, I mean, is it something where you're oh, able yeah. to get shops to kind of adapt? All the time, all the time. It's, it's, um, and it's a little bit frustrating because like, uh, you know, our software does so much for these right. businesses. And we see that, you know, in, in a number of, number of times, it's like being underutilized. Um, on the other hand, you know, um, the, we are happy that these, these shop owners are finding like the, the, the one or two things that like they, they rely on all Leverage the, time. the hell out of yeah, or, yeah, yeah, and they just yeah. use it over and over and over again. And to a certain extent, you want to be able to say that, well, it's customizable. Like our software does 30 things, 
you know, but uh, you know, these five are the ones that are most important to you. So we want you to be a super user when it comes to those five. Um, we will continue to encourage and, and, and train on all the other pieces, but you know, it's not like yet, you know, to a certain extent, we'd love to see everybody use everything. And, right. you know, um, and that's actually, that, that falls on me as the marketing director to get that message out and to communicate and to demonstrate the value of all the software has to offer. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, these shops, you know, are going to use, you know, what makes the most sense for them, because even though there's common problems um, across the industry, every shop is different. And they have they have to be able to utilize it in the way that makes sense for them. I agree. And I one of the things that, you know, when I look at the survey and and how you how you train your customers, uh, you know, it shows that, you know, almost half of shop owners are, you know, independent shop owners are 60 years of age or, or older. And then another 34% are between 50 and 59 years old. When you're talking to that demographic, not to slight them, because I know there's some, uh, some that are older than me that are far better at technology than I am, but I know those who are closest to me in that age range don't yeah. typically love technology. Yeah, and and yeah. so trying to get them to buy into these tools to make their lives easier. Well, that, it, I mean, that's got to be something in its own. It's ironic, though, because they'll spend thousands of dollars on technology to service a vehicle, but they won't spend, you know, hundreds of dollars to, you know, on, a, on, on technology to, to service their business. Um, but you are right. I mean, there, there, does, there has been a sort of a generation gap. We actually referred to the survey results, you know, with the, the wave of retirements coming in as the brain garage. Um, and part of that is because it's not just that there's these retirements coming, but it's just the vast majority are, you know, 50 uh, years or older. Um, and, you know, the, I don't want to, you know, fall into the stereotype that, you know, they're less tech savvy because, you know, they're at to, there's actually quite a few that are very, very tech savvy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, the biggest impediment we've seen, though, uh, I would say the biggest challenge is often the the fear or, or resistance to change and how much that has permeated the culture of the shop we've always done it this way it, it, it is a very very common like rebuke that, that rebuke that we hear and it's okay well how's that working for you you know and then they don't really have a strong answer you know what I mean? um, yeah. And, and many times, even if the owner gets it, and many times it does, I mean, I, I would say that many of our customers, especially in the, uh, the first, you know, five or six years were, regardless of age, were very sort of cutting edge. They, they, they were innovative. These were people that were typically invested in their shop. They would participate in uh, different coaching and training um, organizations. You know, they understood the value of the business side of it, not just the repair side of it, right? Um, but it, you know, but it as the company grows and the more and more you know people start to adopt the Baltimore software, we find that you know you're you're now getting into what we, they're not those early adopters, tech savvy people. They're more like the you know general rank and file common, you know, common people, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the biggest challenge has always been like we've never done it that way before, um, right or wrong. You know, it's just they've never done it that way before. Um, and even if the owner gets it, a lot of times the owner isn't the one that's actually using it. It's their team that's using it, but then the team resists it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we find that the, the, for some reason, it's like difficult for the owner to get the team to adopt it. It's like, all right, well, who works for who here? You know what I mean? Well, and it's, it's truly that why, right. And, and I yeah, think that's value. when we deal with shops and, you know, say they they're introducing MPIs like multi-point inspections and they're, they're really, they're struggling to get, you know, if you get a veteran tech, that's really struggling to adapt to that part. Right. And it's, you know, inspections have been around forever, but yeah. I think we've, as an industry, gotten more intentional about them in the last decade or so. And, and that to me, like you're still seeing resistance. And I think that's where that resistance to, to change and uh -huh. that resistance to new technology, when, when they sit down and look at it and they truly have an open mind, even the team members, and this, this goes for anybody listening to this podcast is when you, when you sit down and you look at how much easier it can make your life, like it, it, it's shocking. And once they, when people, when people buy in and they just get yeah. it, like it, it, their life is easier as a result. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and I, I got two quick responses to that. One is that um, we're not talking about like unfamiliar technology. We're talking about digital technology, right? Something that these people use in every aspect of their life. Yeah. Right. They already know how to use a phone. They already know how to text. They already know how to take a picture. Right. Um, the, we're just now adopting it, adapting it for the auto repair industry. Right. Um, so it's to be honest, it's not difficult to understand. It's no. just new. It's I mean, it's new to your regular daily routine. That's number one. Right. Uh, it's a myth that you know it's hard or it's it's you know challenging or I don't understand it. You have a cell phone, you know how to use it. Second is that that's exactly the reason why we we have invested so much time and energy and resources into providing training um, to our shops, and that it runs the gamut from you know quick little how-to videos on our website and our YouTube page where you can search and find like, you know, ask specific questions and you see a video on how to do this or how to do that to weekly webinars to um, full-on user, um, uh, uh, we call it Bolton University, which is like a, a two, three-day intensive course on everything related to the software, but not just the software, but like how to apply it to your business, mm. right? And that's live and in person. At least it was before the lockdown. Now it's online. <laughs> but um, right. And again, I, that, that kind of goes back to the the what I said before about like you know we we created software, but we realized that you know people um, needed a better way to to you know needed to better understand like how to use it, when to use it, where to use it, which is what pulled us in the training, which is what pulled us into more of this sort of best practices, operations, talking about like being thought leaders this conversation today jay is like perfectly in line with that you know what i mean it's like right. we're trying to get a message out to help these shops and help them understand what not only the opportunities are but the challenges are and to and to know that there's like a there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel here's the thing if there's no light at the end of the tunnel then it's a pit right yeah. you know then it's a hole right it's 2020 so, no. yeah so um but I mean, there, there's for as bad as it's been, for as tough as it's been, for as hard as you guys like my and gals, and let's be honest, you know, think it might be, um, the, the there are solutions, but you got to be proactive, you know, like you right. said, you know, you know, get, don't wait until the last minute, you know, you've got to you've got to realize that you know you're not the only game in town, 
You've got to, you owe it to yourself and to your family and to the years and years and years you've put into building this business to making it as efficient and as profitable as possible without killing yourself. And there's tools that will allow you to do that, digital tools that will allow you to do that. And, you know, whether your goal is to sell the business or to give it to your kids or your, you know, your manager, right? Uh, Or you're, you know, on the opposite side and you're looking to acquire and grow right? These are the types of businesses you want to be looking for. And how do you manage those multiple shops, right? right. How do you look at like P&Ls and, and statistics and, and measurements across all of your locations, right? You know, digital. Yeah. So there's tools out there, but you got to have the right attitude. You got to have the right mindset to take advantage of them. Well, and my, I think my key takeaway from our podcast today, uh, one of the things that I loved about what you said early on in the podcast was identifying difficulties that a shop might have and then pointing them in the direction of the tools that might help them. Because I think there's so much, there's so much value in that where you start to look at something and like, I used to get overwhelmed with technology and then like, it just wouldn't do it. Right. So like when you say, okay, here's your problem, here's what can fix that problem. And you put it in layman's terms for somebody like me, that makes it, that makes it much, much easier. So I appreciate you kind of reframing my mind there because I think that that helps a lot, but and if I could, Jay, it, yeah, yeah. It, uh, I just, just to underscore that, I mean, look, we, the reason why Bolton got into, was founded in the first place, and this, again, may sound corny, but I've heard, I've heard Mike Rissich, you know, say this a number of times. He wants to help shop owners be successful, right? Of course, you know, we're all capitalists here. We all want to, we all want to grow our businesses, sure. both one included. But I mean, the impetus for this was, was, you know, to help shop owners grow. Mike, comes from a shop background he, he's worked in the the, um, the repair industry for years he's a part owner in, in um, you know a couple of local companies so like he knows it. he's worked in it and he knows what the challenges are and that's why he, he created Bolton um, and you know so it is in everyone's best interest that our customers that, that shops get the most out of the software we want people to use it yeah. so if you have it and you there's something you don't understand or if there's something you want it to do and haven't quite figured it out, reach out to us. And it's not just any, any company out there. They want you to use your, their product. And you know, so we have tools and people and resources available to help you if you do have questions. Don't just take it and do the one little thing and realize that there's all this other stuff under, and, and forget about all this other stuff that's underneath it, because a lot of that other stuff is going to make your business even more profitable, even more streamlined. And you'll be happier as a result in general. That's yeah. the goal here. Yeah. Well, Tim, my friend, it's been fun. Uh, we're up on our hour, but I, uh, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation today. Enjoy all my conversations with you and uh, appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And you got, you're doing a great service for the industry, Jay. I mean, everything you and the folks at Find a Wrench providing this, this forum and format and information to your audience is, is great. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity and we look forward to, you know, um, seeing you, you know, continue to broadcast for many years. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tim.